Greetings, everyone. We're going to be going on in Galatians today, following chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 16 to 26 today, so I encourage you to follow along. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You and I were Barabbas, sitting in our cells. We have lived a life of sin. We, we, we carry with us a trunk load of guilt, a, a weight far too heavy for us to ever carry. And you and I were facing death, an eternity apart from God. But they took Jesus instead of us. They took Jesus instead of us. So we have been set free. We're no longer imprisoned by sin. We're no longer enslaved by a law that we could never obey in order to make God happy with us. Jesus has set us free. And that is the gospel. And once the gospel has freed us from having to do anything for Jesus, we will want to do everything for Jesus. When the Holy Spirit brought you to faith in Jesus, he put that spirit in you. That is the spirit he put in you, to want to do everything for Jesus. Now look how closely related spirit and the Holy Spirit are in our text. Actually, the same word is used to describe both the Holy Spirit and that new spirit that he creates inside of us. It's the same word. And the words, as you go through the text and, and decide which one is which, they really are almost interchangeable because they become one and the same thing. The Holy Spirit, who brings us to faith, creates this new spirit inside of us, this new person that lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit is filling it and giving it his direction. It, it is really part of him. And so that new person inside of us, our spirit, then um, lives the same, acts the same, and even looks the same as the Holy Spirit who is empowering it, who is directing it, who is showing it how to live. So, our text starts, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. If you believe in Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus, you have two opposing forces inside of you right now. Same thing I was talking to children about. You have two opposing forces inside of you right now. The new person and the old person. When the, whole, the, the moment the Holy Spirit brought you to faith in Jesus, Christ began living in you. A, a new person, a spirit-filled person is living inside of all of you right now. That new person lives inside of us is perfect. That new person inside of us is a Jesus, Holy Spirit-filled person and wants to always do the right thing. But we also have an old person living inside each one of us. That one is still there. That sinful nature you were conceived with. That sinful nature you were born with. 
And that sinful nature, that old person that is living inside each one of us, will be living inside each one of us until Jesus brings us to heaven. So each one of us have these two opposing forces inside of us right now, and they are constantly battling with each other. Because each one of those things, that sinful person and that new person, the sinful person and the spirit person, they want exact opposite things for us. The old person, the, the sinful nature in us, wants nothing to do with God. In fact, what it wants to do is lead you away from God. And, and, and it demands that its desires be met. That's the old person. But the new person, the, the spirit-filled person, wants nothing more than to be with God. It wants nothing more than to live as God lives. Our, our new person... Our new person wants to follow the law, not as a way to, to earn God's favor, but as a way to thank God. So you have these two opposing forces inside of us, constantly battling. They want exactly the opposite things from us, and they're constantly battling in our hearts and lives every day. And here's the thing, it's actually happening right now. In each one of you, it's happening right now. I'm up here preaching. I'm up here sharing God's word with you. And right now in every single one of us, there is this spiritual battle going on with these two opposing forces. There is a battle going on between your new person and your old person right now while I'm talking. Okay, the, the new person in you, the spirit in you is testifying with God's spirit that you are hearing the word of God. And it's pointing you to Jesus. And, it, and it's saying to you, yes, this is true. Jesus loves me. He loves me, and this is true, and I need to hear this. I need to listen to this, and I need to live this. But at the same time, right now, that old person in you is whispering in your ear, um, this can't really be true. That old person is whispering in your ear to try to get you to doubt and to fear and to worry. This can't really be true. Jesus can't really love me. Or this stuff doesn't really apply to us anymore. This stuff doesn't apply to me anymore. I don't need to hear this. And if your old person can't whisper that kind of stuff to you, then, you know, it'll, do, then it'll distract you. It'll distract you with, either with a misbehaving kid or someone's cell phone or maybe remembering that thing you forgot to do or wondering whether the Argos are going to be the Alouettes today. All right? It's going to distract you. It's going to whisper to you to get you to doubt, to fear, because it doesn't want you to hear the word of God. And so this is the battle that you have going on in you right now. And certainly, it's going on in you at every other time in your life as well. It's, go it's going on in my heart too, because I have an old person inside and I have a new person inside. But here's the interesting thing. Both the spirit and the sinful nature actually promise you the same thing. They both promise you freedom. Both of them promise you freedom. The sinful nature promises you freedom to do whatever you want to do. Okay? The old person promises you freedom to, to satisfy any desire you want to satisfy because that is what's going to bring you freedom. Satisfy any urge you have. Do whatever you want to do. That's what freedom is all about. That's what the old person says. But the new person, the new person also promises you freedom. And the freedom that the new person promises you is freedom from sin, freedom from slavery, freedom from guilt, 
Freedom to, to be with God for eternal life. But here's the thing. They're both promising you the same thing, but only one of the two, only one of the two can actually deliver on that promise. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. You see, the, the freedom that your sinful nature promises you actually keeps you right under the law. It's not freedom at all. It keeps you right under the law. It keeps you right in, in to a life apart from Jesus, which in the end enslaves you. But the freedom that the Spirit keeps leading you into is truly freedom. Because when you live in true freedom, led by the Spirit, you, you never have to worry about how much we have to do in order to be right with God. You never have to worry. You will never worry about what you have to do. Instead, you will want to do everything you can do. That's freedom, isn't it? When you're living under the kind of um, the idea or the worry or the, the weight of, I have to do all these things. If not, I'm going to be in trouble. I have to do all these things to make God happy. That is not freedom. But that's what the law drives you to in the end. The freedom the Spirit leads us to lets us not have to worry about those things. The freedom that the Spirit gives us gives us the freedom to say, I, I want to do these things. I, I want to do all that I can because that's what this person inside me wants to do. And that is freedom. So what the Spirit wants and what your sinful nature wants are light years apart. And if, if you get into science, that means they will never, they can never be together. Light years apart, the two will never join. All right? The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, the next verse begins. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. The word obvious means it, they, are, they are evident, they are made clear. We don't talk this way, but made manifest. It means it's, very, it's obvious, it's, it's made clear, very clear to see. Look at... Look at verses 19 and 21. It was read earlier. We're not going to read it all again. You have all the acts there of the sinful nature. This is the fruit that your sinful nature produces. Okay? This is the fruit your sinful nature produces. It's promising you freedom. Promising you freedom, but it's actually leading you away from God. And these are the outward acts that make it clear, that make it manifest, that make it evident that there is a sinful heart in you. Let's take a look at them. The, the first three there deal with sexuality. Okay, the Galatians, the Galatians had come from a pagan understanding of sexuality. Um, but we'll, we'll just say that our culture has it just as messed up, if not more. So let's, let's just, let's remember this. Let's remember, sex is God's idea. It, it, it is not a bad thing. It is something that should be celebrated in marriage. You see, it's so powerful. It's so powerful that God protected it with a covenant of marriage. A commitment for life is needed before we practice this, this unifying and creative process. But because we are so broken by sin, we view sexuality as something that gives fulfillment or, or brings freedom in and of itself. And we put sex so high up on our list that it would be impossible for it to ever deliver what we think it promised. It can't give freedom. It can't give fulfillment in and of itself. But the way we, as a sinful people, have perverted it 
makes it very clear, as those outward acts, makes it very clear that we have a sinful heart inside, a sinful nature inside. Some acts of the sinful nature deal with religion, idolatry, witchcraft. Okay, setting up something as God that is not a God. Putting something else in the place of God. And that's exactly what our sinful person inside us wants to do because our sinful person's purpose is to lead us away from God because it does not want us to inherit the kingdom of God. Other acts of the sinful nature have to do with addiction, drunkenness, orgies. That word there actually, that last word there is one that means to be out of control. Okay, this is talking about being out of control. It's talking about giving yourself over to something else. It's talking about looking for peace and, and fulfillment in other things. Looking to other things for that. It, basically, giving yourself over to something else in the hopes that it will bring you fulfillment rather than Jesus. And, and you know what? It can never deliver on that promise. If you are looking for true fulfillment, for the, for the true and deep fullness of life in anything other than Jesus you're actually going to lose, as it says, the real fullness of life that you already have in the kingdom of God. But then, eight, eight. There's 15 total um, acts of the sinful nature listed there in verses 19 to 21. Eight of them involve unloving interpersonal relationships. Hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Do you remember from last week what the Galatians were doing? If, if you have your Bible with you, you, you can see the verse. It's just about what we ended with um, in verse 15 around there last week. Remember what the Galatians were doing? They were biting and devouring each other. Okay, so this is what was, besides being caught up in error number one, thinking they had to earn their way to God, now what was happening was they were biting and devouring one another. They were fighting amongst each other. There were dissensions and factions and jealousy and selfish ambition and all these things, hatred, fits of rage. This is what was going on. Why? Because either, either they were trying to outdo one another in trying to do all these outward things in order to make God happy with them because they were living under the law, or they were using their freedom to indulge their sinful nature. So on both sides of the coin, on both sides of the gospel, in error one, error two, both of which might sound like the gospel that aren't the gospel, the Galatians were biting and devouring one another. They were doing all these eight things that Paul spends talking about here. Interpersonal relationships, not being loving. It says, if we continue to live like this, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, Paul isn't saying here that these sins are unforgivable. These sins aren't unforgivable. Christ died for all of our sins. There's no sin that is unforgivable. Christ died for all of our sins. The point here is, if we continue to live like this, if we purposefully, continually live like this, then what we're showing is that our sinful nature is the one that is in control. Our sinful nature is in the one that is charged in charge, meaning that Jesus is not. And if my heart belongs to the old person, if my heart belongs to my sinful nature, 
That isn't faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus means my heart belongs in him. Faith in Jesus means that I trust in him for my salvation. And that's what he's getting at. If my heart continually, purposefully goes over to this kind of living, that is the opposite of believing in Jesus for my salvation. And I can end up losing the gifts that Christ has given me as a free gift, which is the gospel. But here's the good news, friends. You have been given faith in Jesus. Christ did all of that for you, and the Holy Spirit has given you faith in Jesus. And here's what Christ has done for you. Christ has freed you from your sinful nature. He's freed you from those things controlling you. Those things don't control you. Christ has freed you from that. So let's look at the other side of the coin now. Here's the fruit of your new person. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. The next verse, uh, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what your new person wants to do. Now look at verse verse 22 there. Is fruit singular or plural? Plural. It's singular. Thank you for the answer back there. It's singular. That's right. It doesn't say fruits. It says fruit. It's singular. And this is, this is very important to understand because I think a lot of people um, confuse the fruit of the Spirit with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is something that God has given in various ways to each and every one of us. Each one of us has been given different gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right? You each at least have one. You might have many. And the ones you have are different than the ones I have. Okay, so maybe I've been given the gift of teaching, but I don't have the gift of showing compassion. Maybe you have the gift of leadership, but maybe not the gift of showing generosity. You see, we've been given different gifts. God has blessed the whole church with different gifts, varying gifts. But each one of us have been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be used for the good of all of us. Okay? That's plural. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular. When the Holy Spirit brought you to faith in Jesus, Christ began living in your heart. Christ began living in your life. And the Spirit is living in you now. And because the Spirit is living in you now, this, all of this, will be the fruit that will be growing in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of it. Okay, you, you can't pick one um, or, or choose one that, that you like, you know, or that's been given to you or that you're good at. You can't say, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really good at this one, but I'm, I really kind of stink at that one. I'm really growing here. But I'm kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of not growing there. In fact, it doesn't even make sense. Okay, you can't say, wow, you know, I'm really growing in love. But, but I, but boy, I really kind of stink at patience. You know why not? Because patience is actually part of love. You can't, if you're not growing in patience, you're not growing in love. If you're growing in love, you will be growing in patience. If you're growing in peace, you will be growing in joy. You can't be at peace but not have joy. 
You can't be good but not be gentle. They're all connected. It's all one thing. This is the fruit of the Spirit, and it all grows together. All of these grow together as our faith in Jesus grows together. You, you don't have some of them looking all plump and juicy, and then others looking like they need insecticide. Okay? They all grow together. They all grow together. Did anyone know how to use Microsoft Publisher? Or am I one of the last dinosaurs using that program? Okay, well, it's kind of neat because if you have a, your page and you have a bunch of objects on the page, you get like pictures or text boxes or whatever, so they're all on your page, but now if you click your mouse and drag over the whole thing, it'll automatically link every object on that page. They'll be linked. And then you can even hit a little button there that locks them together, linked. Okay? So now, it's one big object. They're all linked together. And so now if you click on that thing and drag it to increase it, they will all increase together. Little magic trick. All right? So the spirit-filled person living, when the spirit-filled person living in you is growing stronger, growing in faith in Jesus, all the fruit of the spirit will be growing in your life together. Why? Because it's all linked to love. If you're growing in love, you're growing in goodness. If you're growing in love, you're becoming more patient. If you're growing in love, you're growing with self-control. They're all linked to love, and there can't be a law against love. There is no law against love. Let's live by the Spirit. Let's live by the Spirit so that all this fruit, all of this fruit, is seen in our lives. So I think the question is how? <laughs> how do we live by the Spirit then? The solution is not to call for more fruit. Okay? The solution is not, come on you guys, go and produce more fruit. You're going to walk out of here with a burden on your shoulders. It's not going to work. So the solution is not to call upon each other to produce more, to produce more fruit. The solution? The solution is to feed the tree that produces the fruit. Water the tree. Our trees, our lives, need the water of the gospel. Okay? We need the water of the gospel. We might need, the ground might need to be broken up a little bit first by the law so that the water is able to sink in. But you and I need to be watered with the water of life, with Jesus. And that is what will make the tree grow. And that is what will produce fruit of the Spirit. But we have this battle raging in us. The old person doesn't want that. Okay, the new person wants that. The old person doesn't want that. How do we fight that battle raging within us? Huh, interesting. It says, Paul writes, crucify the sinful nature with its passions and desires. I don't know if you've looked up crucify in a dictionary lately, but I can tell you what crucify does not mean. Crucify does not mean to uh, reform or improve your sinful nature. Crucify the sinful nature doesn't mean you're, you're working on it. You got this eight-step program going, you know, and you got your little exercise program going. You're going to get it better. No, no, no. What does crucify mean? Put to death. Crucify means put to death. Pitilessly. Painfully. Decisively. So crucify your sinful nature. But here's the thing. Your sinful nature doesn't like to stay dead. It keeps fighting. So you have to keep crucifying. It's continual. You have to keep crucifying your sinful nature. You have to keep putting it to death. How do you crucify it? 
Crucify it by looking to Jesus. Crucify it by fixing your eyes on Jesus. Crucify it by looking to the cross and being reminded that he has crucified, that he has paid for that for you, that he has won that victory for you, and that he is living in you. And so since he has won the battle, so have you. That's how we crucify it. That's how we put it to death. We can't do it without that. There's some other things you can do that it might help to put some defenses in place, okay? If, if you struggle with alcohol, then stay away from alcohol. If you have a, an addiction to porn, then, then put some filters or some safety guards in place that will help you out or get rid of the computers. If, if you struggle with gambling, stay away from the track. Those things will help. Okay, those defenses will help. Avoiding things is wise, but it's not going to be enough. That's not all you need to do. Don't just avoid things. You need to grow. That new person in you needs to grow by being in the gospel. Water the tree by being in the word. Water the tree by being in the word so that your new person will produce the fruit of the spirit. Okay? Water the tree by being in the word so that your new person will produce the fruit of the spirit. So that, you'll new, so that your new person will win the battle that is going on in you. Verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay? Since the Spirit has saved us from having to live over here in error number one, where we're worried about all these things we have to do, let's not slide over here into error number two. Let's keep in step with the Spirit, it says. Meaning, living the way that He shows us how to live. Now, keeping in step means to, to walk in sync with someone. Like when you're marching. Or when you're dancing. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> you don't want to see me dancing. All right? That would not be beautiful. In fact, and my, my son's back there going, no. Okay? That would just be uncomfortable for all of you. No one wants to see that. So don't just strike that out of your mind. But have you ever watched, let's say, dancing in the, like the Olympics? Now, when you see that kind of level of dancing, they're in perfectly in sync with one another, whether it's in the water, or on the ice, or whatever they do. They're in perfect sync with one another. And that is beautiful. Okay, so keeping in step with the Spirit means that we're perfectly in sync with Him. It means that we're walking exactly like He's walking, that, that you couldn't tell the difference between the two of us. So let's keep in step with the Spirit, um, dance with the Spirit, that we look the exact same, that, that you couldn't tell, like, that, our la- that everything's moving the same way constantly. You, you know how closely, in, in the Olympics, you know how closely those judges look. It, it, if, if one leg is apart from the other, just a little bit, like they start docking them. So being in sync with the Spirit means that we're perfectly in step, that the way we live is exactly how he lives because he is inside of us, because that's the new person, the Christ person inside of us. That's the way we, the new person wants to live, exactly like the Spirit. And that is a sight that's beautiful to behold. That is a sight that will make a difference to the people that you run into. See, today, today it seems that you are allowed to be a Christian as long as you, you keep that stuff at home, right? You keep that stuff in your own heart, in your own mind, don't go pushing on anybody else. It's, it's fine if you have faith as long as you leave it to Sunday mornings. And, and maybe if you're really radical, you know, a small group Bible study. 
but it has no place at work, and it has no place on your neighborhood street, keep it to yourself. Would you say, in general, that's how our society treats our faith? If you and I buy into that, then, that means that basically God gets his one hour from us once a week on Sunday mornings, maybe Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights, but that for the rest of the time, he has no bearing in our lives. So we can be pretty excellent church people, but horrible followers of Christ. So how do we keep in step with the Spirit? We keep in step with the Spirit by walking with Him, walking in sync with Him at all times, by, by dancing with Him, being perfectly in sync. Imagine, you know, watching those dancers in the Olympics, and the only... They're only in sync for about two steps out of the 40-step routine. They're going like, to get judged right off the stage, right? And, and that would not be fun to look at. So, so being in step with the Spirit doesn't mean being in step with Him for one hour on Sunday morning, maybe one hour on Wednesday night. It means that our whole life through, we walk the walk of the Spirit. It means our whole life through, we, we are in sync with Him. We're dancing with Him. He's leading. We're following I'm sorry, I don't want to, I'm not dancing, don't look at me. But as we are living our lives, our lives are perfectly in sync with him because we're in sync with him. We're following his lead like two dancers that would actually be beautiful to see. But this is even more beautiful because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be in step with the Spirit. Perfectly in sync like dancers. All right, and if you ever notice dancers... Their faces, they're together, and they're both always looking the same direction. So when I'm in step with the Spirit, I'm looking at the same things the Spirit is looking at, even. When I'm in sync with the Spirit, I see everything in life that I come across through the lenses of the Gospel, through the lenses of Jesus. So it's not only how I live and walk, it's how I see things, it's how I perceive things. I'm in sync with the Spirit. That's what it means to live in step with the Spirit. It means that we let Jesus always be living in us. In 2010, uh, a skiing accident took the life of 13-year-old Taylor Storch. A nightmare come true for her parents, Tara and Todd. Um, a funeral, a, a burial, a flood of questions and tears. Well, they decided to uh, donate their daughter's organs to needy patients. And there probably wasn't a more needy patient, someone who needed a heart more than Patricia Winters. Hers, her heart had, had failed her five years earlier, and leaving her so weak that she could do pretty much nothing but sleep. So Taylor's heart gave Patricia Winters a whole fresh start on life. Now, Taylor's mother, Tara, just had one request. She wanted to hear her daughter's heart. So Tara and Todd flew from Dallas to Phoenix, and they then went to Patricia's home to listen to Taylor's heart. And when they got there, these two moms embraced for a long time. And then Patricia offered Tara and Todd a stethoscope. And as they listened to that very healthy rhythm of that heart beating, whose heart did they hear? 
did they not hear the heart of their daughter that was still beating? Even though it was in a different body, the heart is the heart of their child. Friends, when God hears your heart, does he not hear the heart of his son? Earlier in this very letter, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Friends, Christ is living in you. Christ's heart is beating in you. He is the new person who is in control in your life. He is the one who loves you. Christ is living in you. So let him be seen, and friends, let him be heard. Let that heart beat be heard. Live in step with the Spirit. Let that heart beat in you and decide how you're going to live. Let that heart beating you, that heart of Christ beating you, move you to live a life of thankfulness to Him, a life that imitates Him, a life that keeps in sync with Him. That's what it means to live in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul is talking about, to live by the Spirit with a new person that produces the fruit of faith. And for that new person to produce the fruit of faith, we need to water the tree. We need to come back to the gospel. We need to come back to Jesus every single day, every moment, every day. My prayer, that's my prayer for us, that we do that, that we take this seriously, that we remember that it is Christ's heart beating in us and that we continue to feed that and water that by dwelling in the good news that Jesus loves us more than anything. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.